Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy birthday, Michaela! Michaela, you were so young, and now you're still young. Yep. Just a little older in your youthfulness. Yep. Happy Mrs. Birthday. Deba. Mrs. Deba. Mrs. Deba. I knew her before she was Deba. I she did was too. just Edwards. Yep. And now she's Deba. She wasn't just Edwards. Up- upgrade. She's well, always been spectacular. Spectacularly just see, Edwards. Michaela, see what happens. Pastor Rod said you're just Edwards. Just. Well, no, she was not. She was. I gotcha. And now she's. Expanding. Now she's I saw a picture of her with past, not pastor, <laughs> mercy, with the mirror. They were hunting together. She's a hunter now. Is she? Yeah. I wonder if she puts the deer urine on. I, I think no doubt. I'm sure they put the deer. Who knows what other kind of animal yeah. urine they put? But I'm sure it's part of the process. I told because Amir came up to me. He was like, "Hey, your son is wanting me to take all the the high school guys and go go uh, hunting with them." Which I was like, awesome. I just want him wearing deer pee at some point. Like he just needs to, he need, you can go hunt pheasant and just tell him it helps the it pheasants. It helps with the yeah. pheasants. Just make him do that. Dude, I could do that as part of one of our youth group games. Just there let you go. me know. Yeah. This coming Wednesday. And we'll have you be the guy to show us what it looks like. I'll pass we'll on that. We'll douse you in the urine. Yeah. See if it's flammable. Yep. Does it nope. fire? We'll nope. do that game. Yeah. Hey, you're going to Six Flags tomorrow. Yeah, we are. Yeah? Yes, yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yes. Yeah, man, dude, I... Haven't been to six. Well, I've been to Six Flags in the last couple of years, but I guess this was this is a new one, yep. and I, I'm nervous about getting on anything. I feel like my body is just not. I, I don't know if it's meant to go at high speeds anymore. I and crossed to, a line like five years ago. <laughs> like, well, that's why you're not in youth ministry, the bro. Dizziness factor. In fact, I think the last time I went to a theme park in Kansas City, that was like back in 2014, oh. and it, I just I remember being like, dude, I can't do this anymore. Were you on the kids' roller coaster? Yeah, the it was like the train. The, the train. train. <laughs> oh, slow down. Slow down, everybody. Dude, the conductor was really frustrated with me. <laughs> the kids in the back were like, speed up. I was like, no, everybody don't. That's great. Hey, let's uh, jump in. Happy birthday, Michaela. We're thankful for you. Yes. She does so much for us. Kids ministry, everything else. In fact, if you've got kids in this church, you have been impacted by Michaela's service. And don't you probably even don't know even it. know it. Don't even know it. She's uh, awesome. So thank you, Michaela. Indeed. You rock. Daniel chapter 11. Uh, this is a... Uh, this a long is, chapter. It's a long chapter. It's got a lot. It's got, it's a, got lot a lot about it. Greece and the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. Um, but one thing to note that's uh, pretty jets, cool there. The sharks. The jets, the sharks. All yep. the people are in there. Um, they're going to come out snapping together. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I followed. I tracked. I picked up what you put down. Uh, 11-2. I will show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia and a fourth. Who is that fourth, Pastor Rod? That would be Homer J. No, it's not. No, nope. no, it's uh, it's uh, Xerxes. It's a uh, Hasawaris who should ring a bell for you if you remember the Book of Esther. That's right. This is the the king that's on the scene there on the throne. So uh, he shows up here in Daniel chapter eleven, which is kind of cool. Which is funny because we read that a, a pretty kind of a long time ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> so now we're reading back before we're it. reading be- before this happened. So hey, you know we have a plan on how to fix that. We do, and we'll unveil that soon enough chronologically. Uh, hey, then we move on from here and you've got uh, Alexander the Great shows up again. A mighty king shall arise who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. This is Alexander the Great. His kingdom, though, is going to be broken and divided towards the four winds. Why four? Because remember, Alexander dies. He doesn't have a successor. His kingdom is split amongst his four rulers four generals, from yeah. them. 
emerge the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. And so from verse 5 down through verse 19 or so, you have basically 200 years of conflict that Daniel prophesies about here between the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. And there are uh, suggestions, there are uh, postulations, some of them more solid than others about who these kings are, who's the, the king of the south, who's the king of the north, how does this all relate together? There's a lot of disagreement there, but here's what we do know. This is, uh, this is future history in the sense that this has not yet happened. You've got Persia still around. You've got this fourth king that's going to come, Ahasuerus, and, and others. You've got all of this still going to take place. Alexander the Great's not even on the scene. Nobody knows who that is at this point. They will, though, and Daniel's laying it out for us because God is reminding his people that he's sovereign, and that, that's why all of this is taking place. Remember, Daniel's in exile with Israel right now, and through all of this prophecy, why is, why is Daniel receiving this? What's the purpose of all this? It's reminding the Israelites before they return from exile that God is sovereign over the unfolding of history, that God has a plan for his people, that God knows exactly what's going on. He knew what was going on when they went into exile. He knows what's going on during exile. He knows what's going to happen after exile. And so Daniel would have been an encouraging book to the people of God in that light. So I want to remind you, in the book of Ezekiel, we read chapters 38 and 39, the Gog-Magog situation. And I suggested to you that one of the interpretations of the Gog-Magog situation um, is that Israel will continue to have enemies, that even though she's going to be delivered from exile, it's not the last time she'll be enslaved, that she'll be uh, attacked or devoured by enemies, that there's going to be a cyclical pattern of this until the arrival of Christ. And so I would suggest to you that reading this history here, this future history, as Pastor PJ calls it, is a reminder that there's going to be a lot of disturbance and chaos leading up to the time, the arrival of Christ, and then ultimately to Christ's second return when he establishes uh, he establishes his thousand-year reign, which of course is after the rapture. But all that to say, Ezekiel 38, uh, 37, 38, um, are, are a good reminder. This is something that's going to be happening throughout Israel's history. Yep. In fact, one of the worst of them is uh, alluded to again here, or prophesied about again here in verse 21. Uh, in his place shall arise a contemptible person. And you've already heard this name a couple of times in the last couple of days, but this is, a, I believe, Antiochus IV again. Antiochus Epiphanes. Just keeps showing up. He's the one who goes in, puts an end to the sacrifice in the new temple that will be rebuilt after the exile. And he is going to commit the abomination of desolation. He's going to sacrifice an altar, a pig on the altar there. He's going to erect a, a, a statue to Zeus there. This all takes place during the intertestamental period. This is the period of 400 years that takes place from the end of Malachi all the way to John the Baptist coming on the scene. These are known as the 400 years of silence. During this time, you get a lot of, of things going on. We read a lot of, of the history of this time in the book of 1 Maccabees and 2 Maccabees. These are books that are- I've not found that in my Bible. Yeah, they're not, they're not in our Bibles, nor should they be. Uh, they are uh, books that are not biblical. They're not scriptural. None of the New Testament writers allude to them. Jesus never makes any reference to them. Uh, they are included in some Bibles, in some of the Catholic Bibles. You'll find them included in the canon there, right. uh, but they are wrongly included there. These these are not inspired works. That doesn't mean, though, that they're not, they don't contain some historical accounts. The books of First and Second Maccabees help us understand a lot of what's going on during the intertestamental period, part of which is Antiochus IV, and a lot of what goes on there during that time frame. So important for you to know that the, the differences in your Bibles is not us as Protestants uh, saying, hey, we don't like these books. No, to the contrary, the, the, the books that are included in your Roman Catholic friends' Bibles are added later 
Right. They are added, I think, in the 14th century, if I'm not mistaken. I think at the Council of Trent. Council I think that was Trent, part, yep. part of when the, the books were added. So we're not adding to the Bible. Um, we're not taking away from the Bible. But your your Catholic friends, your Roman Catholic friends, that is, are the ones who had a later addition to their Bible for different reasons. There's political maneuverings happening there. There wasn't. There was some tumult in the church at that point in time. So if you want to do some, some of your own research, you're welcome to do that. But just recognize we're not taking things out of the Bible. We're keeping things out of it that never were part of it, although exactly. they are helpful. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And we can talk about that more uh, offline or you can send questions into us again, podcast at compass church or compassntx.org. Well, from here you get more about Antiochus the fourth, but at some point it transitions from Antiochus to the one that will ultimately be the worst Antiochus or the worst Antiochus. And that's the Antichrist himself. And this one, I think we see on the scene by verse 36, at least, and he's exalting himself, magnifying himself above every God and speaking astonishing things against the God of gods. We're going to see that repeat that idea repeat in the book of Revelation. Um, he's just uh, the, the pride unchecked, unhindered. This is the the one that is going to be the, the final uh, earthly ruler that will raise himself up against God and God's people. This is the Antichrist. Daniel's looking forward to this time happening, not in anticipation, but in saying, hey, this is going to happen. That's what I mean by looking forward. They're not eager, but saying it's going to happen. He's prophesying about it. This time, though, is the 70th week, and it's the unfolding of that that uh, takes up the rest of chapter 11 there. Even as he is going to come into the glorious land, tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand. He's talking about the preservation of Israel there, even in the midst of that. Um, And yet this one who sets up and pitches his tent there uh, between the sea, that is the sea of of, uh, the Mediterranean Sea there, and the glorious land, he will come to an end with none to help him. And that's the hope in the future deliverance that Israel will experience when God uh, ultimately brings the Antichrist to his end. Chapter 12, then we get uh, Michael back on the scene. Michael comes up to wrap up the book with us and to uh, explain more to Daniel. And uh, there's a couple things just to note here. Uh, he talks about more about the, these, the, this 70th week, the tribulation. Uh, the final three and a half years of the tribulation there. But then notice verse 11. He says, from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away. Okay, so that's three and a half years into the tribulation. That's going to take place. The Antichrist, the one that we were just talking about, he's going to go into the the temple that's there during the tribulation. This is not Ezekiel's temple. Remember, this is a different temple. This is not the Millennial Kingdom temple. This is a temple that's yet to be built, that will be built perhaps during the tribulation or right before it. The Antichrist is going to go in, put an end to the offerings that are taking place there. That is going to take place midway through the tribulation, three and a half weeks, three and a half years into that seven-year period. From that time that the offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up there. Okay, so this is a different time. This is echoing what Antiochus did, but this is a future event. There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. All right. What are we talking about here? Well, if we do some math, if we take 1,290, right? Let's take that and divide that by, um, what am I looking at here? 52, right? Why are we dividing? To come up with how many how many uh, years this is. What's 1,290? Divided by 52? Uh, sorry, divided by 365. Divided by 365. This is on the fly, folks. 3.53. Okay, so three and a half. Three and right? a half. So if the abomination that makes desolate takes place three and a half years into the tribulation, from that point until That's the midway. end is going to be 1,290 days. That's 
another three and a half years. That's seven years total. That's seven years total, yeah. seven year tribulation. Seven, seventieth week. Isn't it cool the way that the Bible fits into place like puzzle pieces? It's not just like, oh, where did we come up with seven years for the tribulation? We're seeing examples of where this comes from here. God has been telling us it's going to happen from Daniel. He's going to reiterate these things in uh, the book of Revelation. Then there's some more time there, these extra 45 days. What is the extra 45 days in the number 1,335? Uh, one commentator suggested, it, I think it's it's possible here. I, I I don't know if we know for sure, but one said, you know, these 45 days of, of extra built in there may be there to transition between the end of the tribulation and the ultimate final setting up in the millennial kingdom. That this is, and who knows? It's possible because yeah. it's it's not the new heavens and new earth yet. And if you think about the battle that's going to take place and the destruction that's going to take place, it's possible these extra 45 days are kind of the cleanup crew time to uh, to address everything going on there. So here's an interesting question. Now, logistically, then, if if a tribulation requires a temple, which is what, what we would suggest, right? right. Tribulation would require a temple to be in place. Would that mean then Right now, we can be confident Jesus would not rapture his church because there's no temple. No, I don't, I don't think so because of two things. Number one, I think just the speed of construction, which I think we've talked about before. We have. I mean, it, things go up so fast. They're building a new McDonald's over by my house. And <laughs> McDonald's is not the temple, but man, <laughs> thank God, things go up super fast. Uh, I also heard from one, uh, one person recently, I, I don't know if I can get behind this view, but it is a view that perhaps the Dome of the Rock, which is currently there, will be taken over by Israel and converted into the temple. Wow. Um, since it is Interesting. over the place that is the Holy of Holies, which right. in that case would not be building a brand new edifice. I don't know. I, I, I can't see them doing that because of the defilement of that being a, an Islamic shrine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that, that the people of God... However, this is not the most... This is not the purest form of the people of God that we have here in the tribulation, right? I mean, this right. is... So who knows? Is it possible? Sure. I've heard another person suggest, and if you go to the Temple Mount, you can see this, that the Temple Mount is currently big enough to have the Dome of the Rock adjacent to a temple that is is built there on the, the Temple Mount. Wow. And it's interesting today, you get a lot of people that are questioning, is that really where the rock was, where where the Holy of Holies was? Is that really where the Dome of the Rock is, or is it adjacent to it? Is it, Who knows? But I, I don't think it should lull us into a false sense of security to say, oh, well, then Jesus isn't going to come back until the temple's there, so it doesn't really matter. I've got time. Number one, you don't know when your last breath is going to be. Right. None of us do. And number two, the temple doesn't have to be built before Christ comes back for his church. And so don't don't make that your litmus test. Don't sit back and go, okay, well, I can wait. Sounds good. Yeah. Hey, Third John. Third John is all about hospitality. This is the Stephen Wendy Marston book. <laughs> no, it's... Well, it's, uh, they are. No. They're super, hus- super hospitable. By the way, my family and I drove by their house recently to go see Christmas lights. They did an awesome job. Really? It looks super good. I mean, I was I was bone up on my own house for a little bit, and then I went and saw theirs. I'm like, okay, okay, never mind. I'm just a new kid on the block. Hey, what's your electricity bill? Mine? No, theirs. I don't know. I didn't ask. Thousands? I didn't. Millions. Billions. Billions, B, probably. Yeah. Of pennies. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But it looks nice. It's not like obnoxious. Like there's some houses, there's one house in my neighborhood that uh-huh. it, it's like it's like Santa threw up. You could land airplanes there? No, because there's right. no room on their yard. Oh, okay. Every square inch of their yard has something in it. Uh, talk about you, the brightness. But you yeah. go to look at it and you're going, I don't even know where to look. Too much. What's the focal point? Just call them out, man. What's your address? So that so we can go see it's in how Life Farms, it is. And it's over by Stephen Little's house <laughs> and Jeff Moak's house and all of them. So okay. you can go look at it over there. I'm going to go look at it just to say, ah. Ah, Pastor Pichu was right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I feel bad for the house across the street because they actually did a really good job of putting up lights. Like it looks super classy, but... You, no, nobody's paying attention. To I'm gonna that. do the thing that that guy on the on the meme he put ditto right on his on his garage right. and pointed to his neighbor. Right, that's <laughs> awesome. 
That's awesome. Anyways, he uh, he commends hospitality here. And this is not, though we joke, tongue-in-cheek, Steve and Wendy do a great job for us. We're so thankful for them. The hospitality in view here is not cutting donuts and setting out coffee. It is uh, it is really opening up your home to strangers and caring for people who are not part of the, the flock there. And he's saying this is a good thing. It's a faithful thing that you do there. Um, and so he's he's writing it to say this is good. Keep keep doing this. This is a good thing that you do. And uh, he's writing notice to uh, an individual here. We didn't touch on that in Second John, but Second John is to the elect lady and her children. There's different views there whether or not that's writing to a church or an actual lady or an actual kids. lady. Here he's writing to Gaius. There's no question there. This is a, an individual. Is this Gaius a, a church? Gaius <laughs> is not a church. Okay. Gaius is a man. And he's saying, hey, good job on this. Keep doing it. And so hospitality should mark us. That's been clear from the Old Testament, that the care for the widows, the orphans, the strangers, the aliens. That's picked up again in the New Testament, even in the book of James. Pure religion is this, right? To, to visit the orphans, the, the widowed, and to, to care for people like that. So this is a good thing that we should be doing. Wise as serpents, yes. You don't want to stop on the road and pick up a hitchhiker if you've got your family in the car with you. That's probably not the best thing to do. I but, agree. But when the opportunity presents itself and you can be hospitable and it makes sense and you're wise about your assessment of that, then do it. It's a mark of Christianity. I think John also makes mention, too, that we shouldn't be quick to welcome false teachers into our house. True. Don't um, be hospitable to them. So, And, and that's the thing. The culture, there is a cultural difference between the kind of hospitality that was offered back then, what that meant, and hospitality as we understand it today. I think there's a difference in the understanding of what that means. If I were to welcome in the Jehovah's Witnesses that knocked at my door into my house, no one's going to think, oh, Pastor Rod is a false teacher now. He's welcoming in heretics. No, I think everybody understands now that welcoming people in your house isn't the same thing as as what it meant here. Right. To have someone in your home was, as you said, Pastor PJ, was was kind of a big deal. Right. It, it meant a lot. It was it was communion. It was fellowship. Today, it's different. So it's not to say that you can't have the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses in your home, but it is to say you should be careful to be hospitable, especially with regard to Christians. Don't be like Demetrius, rather, uh, not Demetrius, Di- Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. Uh Put others first and, and make sure that your home is a hospitable place of love and care for others. In fact, I think Texas does generally a good job of this. So. My interaction with Texans so far has been, I mean, when I came down to visit, when, when you and I came down to have some barbecue and to scout places, people were like, hey, come see in my guest bedroom. You can stay here. You can stay here. I, I think I was overwhelmed with, with invitations. So yeah. keep it up and, and do so all the more. Yep. Amen. Well, hey, do so all the more also by tuning in for another episode tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll see you then. Hey, we're done with Daniel. We are. We got Pastor Rod's favorite book in the Bible, Hosea, starting tomorrow. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.